Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. It was shortened. It was shortened to the nips um, for, as all things do. I mean, like the, the uh, our group, the Pogues, was called Pog Mahone, which means kiss my ass. But then Kid Jensen, one of the Radio One disc jockeys for the BBC, um, uh, and started calling us the Pogues because um, the BBC got a telephone call from BBC Radio Scotland to say every time you say Pog Mahone over the radio, you're saying to Gaelic listeners, kiss my ass. So he had to. Um, he thought the best thing to do was just shorten it to the Pogues. It looks like you know this story already, so I'm gonna. I'm, <coughs> I'm not. I'm not going. To, I'm not going to bother. Um, so. Um, in, in the early days, um, uh, I, I got on quite well with with, with Shane McGowan once I'd um, been uh, in his group, the Nips, for um, a, a little time. Um, and we used to, we, we, the, myself and, and Shane lived in a squat in King's Cross for, for quite a while. Um, and we'd go out on outings to various places. Um, and one of, the, one of the outings that was kind of like a formative experience uh, with, with Shane's lifestyle and personality and, and, and everything was, was this particular night when we went to a place called Dingwalls in, in, in Choke Farm, Camden, in, um, in London. And, um, and um, this is the story of... Um, of, of, of this. Um, <laughs> I haven't started yet, and it's not a funny story. Actually, can you keep an eye on them? Um, the, um, it, it mentions a drink called a black zombie in, in, um, in this, and a black zombie is basically a Long Island iced tea, um, which I don't know what a Long Island iced tea is. Uh, You'll you read what it is in the book, but I've forgotten. But I do happen to know that a black zombie, which is based on a Long Island iced tea, is basically all the white spirits with pastis and in uh, a pint glass, and it's filled up with uh, Coca-Cola. And... and <laughs> It's one of those. And, and, and the English word for sidewalk is pavement. <laughs> I knew how to get home. It was a question of putting one foot in front of the other. I've dropped my pen. Oh, somebody's thrown a pen at me already. No. I knew how to get home. It was a question of putting one foot in front of the other, difficult as that might be. It was a question of taking your time, standing for a moment, considering your options. A question of rummaging in your pockets for the packet of fags and getting one out without spilling them all over the pavement. Finding the lighter, holding the flame steady at the tip of the cigarette. 
It was a question of quickly rectifying the sudden and unpredictable shifts in your centre of gravity while taking in a drag of smoke, taking in the night, the sky the colour of bakelite, the darkened windows of the houses, the yellow light of the street lamps, and then of setting a flopping foot forward in the direction of home. If my equilibrium was ever abruptly and unceremoniously swiped away and I was flung leg over leg to crash into something, a tree, a parked car, a garden wall, I would sit for a minute, put a finger to the broken skin or the frayed hole in my trousers and then get up and carry on. I was good with drunks. I looked forward to delivering Shane successfully to his room and to his bed. I had an instinct for the dividing line between what was expeditious and what was just fun at somebody else's expense. I knew to wait a few paces ahead, alert to danger scanning the high street for traffic in case he lurched out into the roadway to steer him away from a bread crate in one of the doorways to stand at a curb ready for the unexpectedness of the step down to the street to brace myself for his inability to predict a sudden gradient I wasn't successful <laughs> Shane's legs were gone. He staggered down Camden High Street, sidestepping, lurching, coming to an abrupt but teetering standstill before precipitating forward, the soles of his shoes slapping on the pavement. He kept working his hands into his pocket and working them out, letting out great sighs of frustration at his progress down the street stopping now and again to hook phlegm from his throat but doubling over gagging with the effort sucking saliva back into his mouth and wiping his face with his hands he stopped to light a cigarette teetering in the middle of the pavement thumbing the lighter over and over and once he'd managed to get it to light circling the flame round and round the end of the cigarette he took a drag and set off again, but the smoke must have gone to his head because he lost his balance and sidestepped against a shop window. I cowered against what I expected to be the crash of him going through it with his shoulder. The impact, though forceful as it was, only threw him to his knees and set the window quivering for seconds after. Ow! he wailed. Ow! Ow! <laughs> I stepped forward to help him up. Fuck off! he screamed. Just fuck off! I don't need any fucking help, cunt! <laughs> I stood back to let him struggle up from his hands and knees, but with my arms at the ready in case he met with failure. When he set off again, he hurled himself against the side of one of the cars parked up and down the street, pushed himself upright and launched into a stagger onward down the road. I walked a few paces ahead to give him some distance, but not so much that I wouldn't be able to rush back to assist him if he got into more difficulty. Can't, he shouted at me. 
people then laughed. We successfully made our way down most of Eversholt Street when Euston Station came into sight and the spire of St Pancras Church, beyond which was our turn-off to Woburn Walk, I must have allowed myself to relax. I heard a crash somewhere behind me, but a crash which seemed to come from one of the buildings set away from the street. I looked back to see the pavement empty of Shane. I rang back to where I'd missed the open gates of a forecourt on the corner of Wellesley Place where the concrete sloped down to an, a loading bay and some bins. He was clutching the railings halfway down the incline, swaying from side to side, voiding his stomach onto the concrete. I went down the ramp and thinking it to be a universally accepted gesture of support and brotherhood put my hand on his back. He swiped me away. Fuck off and leave me alone, he cried out. Why can't you leave me the fuck alone? Fuck off, you sanctimonious cunt, cunt. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off! <laughs> It's not a really very good impression of Shane. It's, 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 it's so weird to try and do... You, Steve, you know. I haven't got it. I'm trying. It's something else entirely. I wove across Euston Road past the Caryatids outside St Pancras Church. Sorry, I'm blocking you with my big book. Um, Drunk as I was myself, the idea that he thought I had been judging him sickened me. His belligerence set us facing one another on opposite sides of a chasm, the scant bridge there had been between us dangling in it. That's, the, my, that's my first reading. And now, I, and now I've got to mop. Um, this man down here, the rowdy one, um, he wants to know what year this was, and it would be 1980, I would say. Yeah. In London, what was going on around about that time? Um, we were staggering down a street in in in, in, in Camden down Eversholt Street to. to I don't know what was going on. But let me, can I save your question till the end? Um, but um, a bit of context. <sighs> I can't do context. I don't know what was going on around that time. 1980. Like, like, sorry, which? I'm just going to keep going. I can't. I dare say, more drink actually than, than, than drugs, I, I would say. It was just all drink, 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 and drink. And squatting, drinking, squatting, and busking, and um, and not paying a telephone bill, if you had a telephone, which I did, but uh, you know, anyway, um, and then so, um, and then after, after um, um, getting to know Shane in, in that kind of that kind of way, I, I knew there was there was. It sounds like the book's all about Shane, but it's actually not uh, particularly. I mean, like Shane's right in the in the middle of it. Uh, because because he has to be um, but I'm sort of, I like to I'm shadowing him as it were 
Um, it sounds like I'm shadowing him protectively, uh, what I don't actually think I was. We were all in a, like, like a group of, of um, you know, uh, London Irish, but mostly Londony, um, uh, band all learning our instruments from scratch. I'd never played the accordion bef before. Um, Spider, the whistle player, had never played the whistle before. Um, Jem, the banjo player, had never played the banjo before. We had a, um, we had a girl bass player who was 17 and I think she only got into the group because Shane wanted to have sex with her um, and whether or not he was successful yeah he was um, 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 that she never played the bass before and she worked in a bar and Shane fancied her so she got into the band and we had to teach her in one night how the how the songs were supposed to go um, Shane was always a crap guitar player um, and We've got a yeah from down here somewhere, yeah. Um, and um, and then we had a drummer who we really wanted the drummer, who played for another uh, band in in the in the neighbourhood of of the tenements around um, at the south of Kings Cross Road. Um, um, but he played he, he played hard to get for a, for a long time until um, until finally he said yes. But we restricted him just to a tom tom and a snare and wouldn't let him sit down for years. Um, <laughs> So it was like we just like hobbled ourselves as much as we could, and to see what would not well not to see what would happen. We were just hobbled, is what we were. Um, and then and then we we did all sorts of things like um, record records and and go on tours. Um, and I've got a reading from a, a tour we'd already been on a, on a the first big tour that we had was opening for Elvis Costello in 1984, which was a, a whole lot of fun. We listened to a lot of Irish music in the in the um, in the van. And we travelled all over Ireland and and got into scrapes and and drank a lot uh, uh, just for like 30 minutes of, of playing by the seat of your pants and then going off to the pub uh, after teasing Elvis as, as much as we could uh, afterwards. Um, Anyway, but then, then we, we went back to Ireland to, um, to, um, on, a, on our own uh, account and we go to a, um, a, a town called Carlow, which is south of um, um, Dublin. And, and, um, and this is an account of one of the gigs that, that, that we did, which particularly uh, upset me um, at the time. Because I never knew this kind of thing could go on at a, at a, a gig, and, and energies could get so so uh, uh, intense. Um, so um, um, I mentioned a place called Archbolds, which is um, a club in Carlo. I don't think the club. This is actually Archbolds. This is another club near Archbolds, but I do mention it. Um, a quarter away of the way. Through, hang on, let me just do this. A quarter of the way through the set. Alerted by a rumbling in the audience, punctuated by shouts and a girl's angry scream, I looked up from my fingers to see frantic shoving going on in the middle of the crowd. The guy I'd seen in Archbolds, his face pink and distorted with the effort, lost my place, lunged arms straight, palms up, into another guy who, in a valiant but ridiculous attempt to both keep his balance and fend the guy off, was windmilling his arms. 
People stepped back to get out of the way, but others came striding in, clambering to get through. They pulled at jackets, hands clawing and swiping, their legs in half, crouch. Some of them dragged arms free from the press and turned them into swinging fists, arcing down into space or against someone's shoulder. The occasional sickening knuckle blow glanced against an ear or someone's temple. All the while we kept playing. The image came to mind of the bewhiskered piano player in a western saloon pulling his hat down over his ears as the saloon explodes in gunfire and smoke. The tables go over and ranks of bottles disintegrate into a cascade of liquor and shards. We didn't look at one another but gurped at the turmoil on the dance floor and kept going thinking that the end of the song would bring the furore to an end. Eventually we were able to finish the song and with a flourish I hoped might come across as conclusive but the fighting continued. The non-combatants flung to the edges of the dance floor. The, participant, the participants going at it, deaf to anything else that was going on in the room. We stood there watching Shane gurping at the tumult in front of him with an expression of bemusement on his face. I didn't have a clear plan when I stepped up to the microphone that Spider wasn't using. Quit fighting, I, shout, found, my, I found myself shouting. Quit it, just quit the fucking fighting! <laughs> My command did nothing. <laughs> the squall lurched sideways as if the ballroom floor had tilted. Fists opened into claws, grabbing for stability. Legs that a moment before had waded into the rumpus now capered backwards, trying to find a grip on the dance floor. The ruckus sent itself against a wall and, al and along it into the corner. A couple of guys lost their balance altogether. When they hit the ground, they took their knees up and covered their heads as the scrimmage appeared to bounce off the far wall and back towards us. We stood and watched. Hostages to the chaos, there was nothing else we could do. I went around the stage in panic, appealing to everyone, anyone, to do something, vainly assuming there was something we could do. Shane just shrugged. The fighting eventually ended with a couple of guys, one of them from Archbolds, uh, one of them, the guy from Archbolds, being dragged to either side, penned in by their mates, and subjected to bellowed appeals to reason. There was panting and gasping and nodding of heads and hateful stares and eventually capitulation. The rest of the crowd started to return to press against the barriers. In a moment or two, the combatants seemed to have vanished, absorbed by the rabble. We played on without further incident. I, I played on without enthusiasm. I couldn't help thinking that beneath society's superstructure of civility and mutuality was a basement writhing with blind and inchoate urges.
the fucking cunts I said when we were finally able to finish and go backstage what a bunch of fucking cunts we're about to be we're, we're supposed to be playing fucking music out there it's supposed to be entertainment Christ shut the fuck up Shane said he scratched his nose bored and pulled on a cigarette Fuck off, Shane, I said. That was just fucking debasing. I appealed to the others who looked just as depressed and stunned as I was. We can't allow that to happen again. We should have the lights go up, shine torches on them or something. We should leave the stage and only come back when... I ran out of ideas just as Shane screamed, Oh, shut the fuck up with your fucking whinging, you fucking faggot! <laughs> His hands were gripping his face, his eyes slowly appeared from behind his brown fingers, staring dementedly at the floor. In a show of mastering his fury, he spread his fingers in front of him, level to the ground. It took him a moment to get some sort of grip on himself. Listen, he said, as if he was talking to a child. Listen, they do what they do, and nothing you can do or say makes any difference. People are not just these people. People, you know, people just want to kill one another. People, he went on in a hoarse, supercilious whisper, are just this much away from murdering each other, this much away from raping one another, this much away from knifing, shooting, massacring, garrotting. It's fucking dog-eat-dog out there. It's fucking dog-eat-dog wherever you look. It's what they want to do and you've got to let them get on with it because it means the fuckers are not likely to rape or knife or shoot or garrot me or any of us. It's what they want to do and if it's what they want to do they're going to do it anyway no matter how much fucking whinging and screeching and flapping you do. So shut up. Stay away from that fucking microphone or any else's microphone. They'll come back and kill us, the fucking lot of us. They're just looking for an excuse and shut the fuck up with your fucking debasement and all that fucking shit just play the fucking accordion and stay out of the way that's what you're paid for <laughs> and only if he could do that properly spider side <laughs> when I got back to the hotel first back to the room I was sharing with Jem I stood between the bed and the cheap dresser by the window and then crouched down to the ground tucked myself into a ball and pounded my head with my fists. I couldn't understand how anyone could let himself become so bereft of responsibility for anything and yet write songs of such incisive beauty full of chastening pity for the human condition. <laughs> Damn, that's that's a roller coaster. Um, um, I don't know where to go on to. What's the timing like at the minute? Good. It's good timing. <laughs> All right. Oh, let's just read something else that's that's kind of. Uh, oh, this isn't fun either. Um, Oh no, let's let's do it. Yeah, no, because I mean, because the, the, if I'm well, we're all in Los Angeles, and this is where all the actors, <laughs> this is where all the actors are. Um, we, the 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 Pogues were invited to take part in um, 
Charity part sounds like a charity or something. Um, we did it. We did it for the for the money and the experience and and and, and the holiday. Basically, we went to the south of Spain to, um, to 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 be like a composite character in Alex Cox's film Straight to Hell. Uh, Alex Cox, as many of you will know, is the director of Repo Man and and Sid and Nancy. Um, uh, he was a very entertaining, a very entertaining guy. Um, Sorry, is he dead? No. No. You said what? Somebody said he was dead. No, no, no. no. He was here last uh, in November because he's written a book about um, uh, about um, uh, uh, the intersection of Fitzgerald, um, JFK. JFK, and 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 the, the the guy that's the you know, yeah, him. Um, I'm not going to go into that because I don't know anything about it. Although I did see it on the telly because I'm that old. Now. Um, I still don't know where I am here with this. Oh, I've got labels. Um, this label says here. All right. So, um, um, and uh, so it's this. So we go to the, the we go to the south of, uh, of Spain to to be part of this 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 film, and, and really it's just a, a great holiday with a lot of early mornings. Um, uh, there's some Spanish in this that I'm not going to pronounce very well. I'm sorry. Um, and, and so this is bef this is uh, uh, the, the 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 beginning of this from a, a few of the of the chapters that's kind of tracking the the the, the story of it and. Um and we first meet Alex Cox in the, the Hyatt on Sunset uh, in, in Los Angeles to have a, like a cast meeting and meet everybody. Um, Cox convened a meeting of the cast and crew in one of the conference rooms at the Hyatt Hotel. The only actors I had come across had been those in my father's amateur dramatic circle. Men dressed in tweeds with dewlaps under their eyes. Women in polyester twin sets and a handbag hanging on a foot. Um, the table opposite us in the conference room filled with the most exotic creatures. A beautiful flame-haired woman with slender shoulders and a figure that was simultaneously girlish and voluptuous. A black guy with a face as mournful as a bloodhound's and an eyebrow cocked in perpetual quizzicality. A short man with a vaguely clerical face, but with a beard which belonged to a mountaineer. An exquisite young girl, tawny, with hair of jet, whose shining half-bite alluringly prevented her mouth from closing. <laughs> oh, you recognise her. <laughs> Not a thing for... Anyway, whatever. Um, the fact... No, though they were Hollywood actors, the fact that I did not recognise any of them did not dim their luster. Cox ranged from one end of the table to the other, talking the film up in his mid-Atlantic South Wirral accent. Now, South Wirral is 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 a is a, a leafy, well, fieldy um, suburban uh, Liverpool um, uh, uh, area. Um, now his gangly arms gesticulated, now he thrust them in his pocket. We sat the length of one of the trestle tables, alternately tittering with the novelty of it all and gawping at the actors opposite. 
and then this is a later bit of the same actually thing, uh, but when we're actually in, in, in the south of Spain. Um, it was September and it was hot in the south of Spain. As the sun passed over the open sea of the Mediterranean, the angled frontage of the Hotel Gran Almeria focused the sun's rays onto a pool the shape of a dart flight, surrounded by crap lounges upholstered with slack plastic tape. First thing in the morning they would be empty, but by 11 were full and would stay that way until evening. Regulars at the pool were a woman in a bathing costume slashed into slits at the waist and whose skin hung in bronzed silken folds from her ass down. And her partner, a guy with steel grey hair, skin similarly russet, who I saw one morning standing in the poolside shower, his arm extended from the twinkling stream holding a lit cigarette out of harm's way. Some of us had rooms overlooking the breakwater of the Club de Mar and the palms of the Parque de Nicolas Salmeron. <laughs> Hang on. <coughs> Sorry, I shouldn't, that sounds like I'm taking the piss, but I'm not. Um, the grid of olive trees, the train tracks of the Cable Inglés, elevated on rusted iron trestles which ended at the wharf and beyond the glittering Mediterranean. I had a room at the back with a view of a car park, the clock tower of the Placio de Justicia and the palm trees lining the Avenida de Federico García Lorca. <laughs> I have to say it with a th because it's Andalusia. Um, I would have been envious of the people at the front, but I was too relieved to have a room to myself. We'd just finished a short tour of France, and I had flown and had flown from Colmar to Andalusia by way of Madrid. As the cast of Straight to Hell arrived, the cool rotunda of the lobby, with its pillars and its gleaming composite floor echoed with Americans trying to make themselves understood to the Spanish staff. The joke was that sooner than repeat themselves more slowly, the Yanks merely raised their voices as if the concierge or the receptionist or the barman was deaf. The Americans whose voices reverberated in the rotunda and whose laughter exploded in the bar were Hollywood actors, the loudest of them all when she, came, when she arrived to play the part of the bank robber's mull in the film was Courtney Love. Between myself and whom I made sure to put at least 25 yards whenever I could. <laughs> To the Hollywood actors were added a slew more from London, just as striking to look at but less divisible into stereotypes. Whether they were from London or Los Angeles, most of the actors knew one another, having either worked on at least one of Cox's previous films, Sid and Nancy and Repo Man, or having otherwise crossed paths in their careers. The fact that I did not recognise any of them didn't matter. I was in awe of them and glum that my incorporation in the composite character of the Pogues made me unremarkable. <laughs> in the hotel, the actors, for the most part, came across as a professional homogeneous... How do you pronounce that word? 
homogeneous, homogeneous, an oddly suburban bunch. The odd voice might have been raised in an, in an attempt to clear the language barrier, but by and large, proprieties and civility were observed. The men went about in loafers, chinos and polo shirts, the women in halter necks, blouses, shorts and the occasional moo-moo. When they turned up on location, though, the passage through wardrobe and makeup wrote such a transformation that when they arrived on set, they had been possessed by the most grotesque of psyches, the fellowship replaced by a hydra-headed monster of suspicion, supremacy and sexual tension. Why many of them needed to inhabit their characters so intensely and for, so, and for such long stretches of time mystified me. The men lowered at one another with a mixture of hatred and suspicion. The women sneered with a combination of hatred, suspicion and lust. I tried not to let it go to my head. I told myself that they were actors, that they were acting. I tried to give as good as I got, but being merely an element and a fairly lowly one at that of the composite character of the coffee-addicted McMahon family and feeling increasingly out of my depth with these graduates of the Anna Scher Theatre School and the Lee Strasberg Theatre Institute, I knew I would be the one to blink first. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm going to open it to questions now. And then it ends. The book ends. <laughs> Not there. Right, you wanted the context for... Um... Yeah. Yeah, it was basically, it was at that time, it, it would have been would have been the tail end of punk and just at the, at the beginning of, of, of the new romantics. Because I remember... Yeah, because I remember going to Shane's, I used to visit Shane quite a lot at his, at his horrible flat in, in, um, 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 on Cromer Street, uh, in, uh, just south of King's Cross. Um, and and um, he was so hell-bent on, on, on um, trying to rid the world, well, no, not rid the world, but basically to, to put a dint in the new romantics scene because the Spandau Ballet were just coming up and and um, Steve Str is it Steve Strange I'm thinking of um, Howard you would know yes yes, yes. Um, um, and the, 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 um, and the yeah because and then what Shane wanted to do was was wanted to dress us all up in Roman Emperor gab and so he was gonna wear a toga um, this is way before the poll started, and he wanted he wanted me to, he wanted me to wear gladiator stuff because he had uh, he had a, 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 um, an ambiguous um, uh, sexuality. Shane did really. Um, uh, he just liked the idea of me dressing up in gladiator stuff with a sharp fork. No, I didn't. No, we never got we never got as far as that. Um, and perhaps that's you know that, that's that was the beginning of the end of the relationship. No, if you, if you, if I'm not going to put out like that, sorry, it's all over. I'm going to make your health, your life misery. <laughs> yes. Did you take notes from the very beginning? How, how do you remember all this? Stuff? I was, um, if, funnily enough, I, I started a, I started a diary, 
on the birthday, the year before the Pogues started. However, the, the diary was mostly about the girlfriend um, that, that, I, that I had at the time, which was, which was uh, maybe the subject of another book, I don't really know. Um, there's plenty of material there. But the, but the Pogues come into it from, from time to time. And I wrote letters, lots of them, to people. Um, not so much about the girlfriend, but about my life. So I, I, I got some of those from, from one of my correspondents. And, and so that's a lot where that's a lot of the material comes from. But then I became a bit of a joke in the in the in the group that I was always the first one up, you know, for breakfast, and I was always there with my nose in a bleeding. Um, oh, so can I show you my? This, this is the diary that I'm keeping. This is the diary that I'm keeping now. That's what it looks like, and that's how. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's. Because no, you're going to have to die. Because it's this looking to it's death. Um, but but I'd, I'd write all my note all my notebooks and diaries are like just like tiny in order for it to be illegible, except by me <laughs> and you. And um, and so yeah, I was a, I was a bit of a joke back then. You're, you're very, um, you have a great uh, um, capture of the English language. What's your education, by the way? <laughs> In Kuwait? <laughs> Where'd you get that? In Kuwait? Do you want to see? All right, there was another word. Because um, there was, I remember being at school, um, there was a, a kid at school, and there's always a kid at school, like a boy usually, who can squirt water through between his teeth. Right. Diedrich, I bet you could do that back then. No. But it was like, yeah, could you do it? But it's like peeing up a wall, and it's like sort of, um, oh, that guy can do that. Elvis Costello has a gap between his teeth. And not that he sprayed water through it to show off or, any, or, or anything. But uh, I, I was just trying to be economical in language by, by, there's got to be one word for that. I don't want to, to say Elvis Costello had a gap between his teeth that you could spray water through up a, up a wall. There's a word, the word I found was diastomatic. The trouble, the trouble is, the trouble is that it's hardly economical because it took me hours to find it. <laughs> and then when it's down in the book, it's going to take, not hours, but it's going to take a while for somebody if they're really all that interested. Um, if it was my grandfather, he'd be interested in finding out what uh, diastomatic means. It just means a gap between your front teeth. It's economical writing, that's what it is. Okay, if the rest of you want to go home at this point. No, no, it was, um, it became, it was like, um, you know that, um, I forget who the sculpture is, the guy at the, um, at the, sorry, I should repeat the question, shouldn't I? It was how horrible was Shane's flat? Um, um, you know, the, 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 I think it's, that university campus where where there was was like um, it was atrophies basically, what it what it was that in increments, well actually not in increments the increments had already started by the time I got to his flat the the, the bath was full of bin bags which were full of uh, beer tins, um, there was uh, the cups if you poured um, like hot water into the into the cups to make tea. There was like a film that sort of like danced across the top of the water. Um, and then over time, um, bin bags kind of seemed to come out of the bath as if it was like, uh, 
like a like a bin bag volcano and it would come into the room and then finally he had like maybe uh, um, three square feet to sort of live in um, in the middle and then he employed this is when we were making money you know like 150 pounds a week um, and, and and he employed two girls to come and um, to, to yeah to shovel it all out while we were on tour they came in and um, and cleaned it up but it was um, uh, yeah, there was, it was eccentric, is what it was. Not really horrible, really, when I describe it that way, <coughs> except the, encro the encroaching rubbish was, um, was difficult, and the tea. <laughs> it was very difficult. Scum, scum, yeah, yeah, we don't want scum. Are the members the Yes, they have, yeah. And the next question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on, Lynn. Um, the question was, what was Shane like to perform with? Was he always drunk, or was it, a, yeah, difficult? Um, it ranged from from. Um, you know, there was one gig that we did in Dublin not so long ago. That um, um, he'd been all afternoon with his friends in his hotel room because his friends tend to come in droves in Dublin and they spend all afternoon in, the, in his room and, and some of them bring like pochin with them which is you know like um, uh, moonshine um, and, and, he, and Shane's just so nice with them that he, he stays all afternoon he can't say no can you leave now because I've got to get ready for a gig, get ready for a gig. Um, um, he, he's, he's a host like like that so to see him come at the side of the stage before that gig I thought oh shit this isn't gonna go well um, but then the drummer afterwards said that was like one of the best gigs we've ever done because it, you know like uh, I, I, it's like a, a sheet of plate glass and you put a ball bearing in the middle of it and try and keep the ball bearing from rolling off the edge that's what it can be like sometimes <laughs> because if, if, if he starts to go over here you have to kind of come over here with him a bit and then tilt it tilt it back this way but it, it makes you playing and it makes human contact between oneself and the other members in, in the group really dead damn vital. You look, I've never looked into people's eyes so hard <laughs> as I have on, on, on stage where you're trying to figure out where you're going now. If I go here, this is all in the, all in the pupils, <laughs> if I go here will you come with me and we know this is going to happen next usually in the song but as you can hear he's gone off somewhere else. So it's, um, it's really really delicate but it's, in some weird way it makes for a really really exciting dead dead good gig. In the early, in the early days to see, the, to see Shane um, um, Sometimes with his hands in his pockets, which I always liked, his hands in his pockets and his feet slightly apart, and his, 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 the microphone's way up high always, and he sings up and out. Those were, 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 um, those were the days when, when you knew that you were with somebody with class when it came to, to being a performer and, 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 a, and a singer and somebody expressing himself. You know, do you know what I mean? 
that answer your question? All right. <laughs> Thanks. It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> so it's been like over 30 years. What does it feel like to still be performing? Um, the question was, it's been 30 years. What's it feel like to be still performing? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's good, but not as exciting as, as the first the first few years that you're f figuring stuff out, not just musically, but relationship-wise, and, and who's going to get the single room at the hotel, and, and how much you can drink without falling over. You know, that kind of... No, and it wasn't how much you can drink without falling over. It was some of the early the, the early gigs were were fantastic opportunities to, to to drink. You had half an hour to play, and you just got through it. And then you went on the on the tear after that. We were all young men of twenty eight. That's not young. Yeah, Julie. Yes, I do. Do I too much? What about the magic part? The magic part? When, when the people in the audience are hearing these words, and their minds are blown, and they're really kind of swaying with it and blown with it, and they're absolutely blown away. Often, yeah, oftentimes. Um, I, it's not just in the beginning, it's all the way through. For 30 years they've been doing, but they've been doing that. Um, I once uh, we did a gig once, I forget where, like Spain or Portugal or something, and and there was a there was a girl at the front um, who who uh, I caught her eye and and she was just beaming at everything that we were we were doing. She, um, she, she was ecstatic that we'd come on stage, and then you'd wander off and do your playing for a bit, and they'd come back, and then then it was just like deadpan after that, her face, and then. And then after a while, I look back, and then she had tears, <laughs> tears running down. It's um, it just seemed like tracking the whole kind of story of one of. I'm not saying that all of you know, Pogues gigs end up with somebody um, in tears, but it's just I'm saying the range. It's the the amplitude of of um, amplitude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's an English public school education is is, is what it is, and the accent is all put on. Um, um, yeah, there, there's quite a lot of amplitude in 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 what we um, in in audience reaction. There was a there was a guy that I met in in um, in, um, in Letterkenny in in um, Northern Ireland, and. And he, and I think this might be in the book actually. He, um, he just wanted to tell me um, how come Shane McGowan knows about me, how come he can write those songs, those words, and they're all about me. How does he know my life as well as as, as he does? And I could I could have listened to that kid for for hours, except the Northern Irish accent's a bit sort of impenetrable sometimes. Um, oh, I shouldn't take it away <laughs> like that. It was, it was a, such a lovely experience talking to this kid. Welcome. Yeah, Maureen. Um, as again, the amplitude of response to my book. <laughs> 
was such that um, when one of them got it in the post, the finished copy, um, he and his partner um, spent a, a bit of time kicking it around the room to see if they could break it. Um, and but on the other hand, uh, what somebody else from 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 the group. Um, helped me with proof reading it and even said if you look out when you say you look out of this window you don't actually see that view it's this one that pub is not on the corner of that street it's on the corner of this one um also a lot of your characters tend to put <laughs> a lot of your a lot of your characters tend to put their forearms on their knee on their knees so i went through the book after that and they do a lot i took a lot of them out because it looked like, you know, like, oh, despair. <laughs> and, and so your forearms go on, on, your, on your knees. Um, and, and the word, uh, I think, pellucid or limpid. Um, both of them. Yeah, all right then. Um, pellucid or limpid was, was, was used too many times. <laughs> Well, if you're trying to if you're trying to kick a, a, one's you know compadre's book around a, a room trying to break it, yeah, one of them was pissed. Eventually, they will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's um, it has it's changed it's changed the dynamic of the band a little bit. I can't deny I can't deny that. Who was laughing then? <laughs> Was that like a laughter, uh, like a joke that I should know? Or oh, was that you? No, yeah. oh, hello. <laughs> it was the inflection. It was the inflection. Okay, all right then. Um, yeah, oh, well, but it, 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 has, it has changed the dynamic a, a, a bit. Um, which is bound to, but like, you know, like everything changes the, the dynamics somewhere. You know, like you drop a pebble into a lake. I watch the ripples. <laughs> anyway, thanks very, thanks very much for coming down and, and listening to me. It's really nice talking to lots of people at the same time. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.